0: Hello and welcome back to Making Sense of Money. I'm Andrew Pellerini, one of your hosts. Our podcast listeners are growing. So in the last episode, we kind of reintroduced ourselves, properly introducing Jake for the first time, explained a bit more about the history of the podcast and talked about upcoming topics we would like to cover. And if you're interested in learning more about where we've been and where we're going, please check it out.
1: And I'm Jake Hamilton, the aforementioned. Thank you, Andrea. Uh, we wanna remind all of our listeners that you can always check out our past episodes on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Uh, and if you have a comment or question, you can contact us at studentmoney uillinois.edu. And also I wanna welcome back Nikki Giancola Shanks. Welcome back, Nikki.
2: Hi guys. Well, thanks for uh, the warm welcome. I'm excited to be back from maternity leave. Uh, I did listen to the pod when I was away. Uh, So that was fun. I appreciated the shout outs, and I'm happy to be back. So today we're going to focus on budgeting. I know we've often mentioned in past recordings budgeting in a lot of different ways when we talked about maybe some other topics, but we wanted to get into some specifics about this important life skill today.
1: We're happy to have you back, Nikki. And uh, just for the listeners, so today I'm going to be talking to two budget experts in Andrea and Nikki. Um, So I'm gonna ask them some questions and they're gonna explain some budgeting stuff to everybody. Uh, But to kick us off, Andrea, why should people budget?
0: Well, First of all, I think, thank you for putting us on a pedestal. Right? (laughs) No pressure. No pressure. (laughs) I would would like to say that I am not a budget expert, but I do know how to explain a, a variety of budgeting systems that work for different people. So um, I think it's important to remember that people define the word budget in different ways, Um, but like the act of of budgeting, the verb budgeting, basically means you're being mindful of your spending choices and how those choices help or hinder you in reaching your goals, your personal goals, your professional goals, your family goals, And so it's important for navigating lots of transitions in life to kind of understand what it means to budget, what it means to make a plan for your budget, what the actively active choices that you make when you're spending your money, have on your overall plan and kind of that. It all comes together that way. So having a plan, can help you navigate change, work towards those goals that I talked about and what we've talked about on previous podcasts. Uh, It can help you communicate your needs with a partner or really anyone that you're sharing a part of your life with, be that a roommate, a parent, a sibling, a child. Uh, If you experience some type of unexpected loss of income, knowing what your habits are, are, are really helpful in identifying where you might have wiggle room in your spending choices and that can help you reassign where your money goes pretty quickly if you don't know where you've been spending money you can't make changes to your habits if like you have a loss of hours at work that impacts your your pay so budgeting can help you also look for resources more broadly than than just income from a job so You can leverage things like community resources or social capital, knowing people that have certain skills or you can barter with to accomplish shared goals or even to have fun.
1: That's great information. And I guess I should say you guys are experts to me. At least I view you as experts. So I just wanted to convey that you know a lot about this and you've taught it before, Uh, but I'll I'll ask this. uh, Is there a difference between a budget and a spending plan?
2: Um, thanks, Jake. So there is a difference, but it's really more somatic than anything else. And it's more about kind of how you want to view your money. So with budgets, budgets tend to be, they list out all your expenses, right? Like you're going to put $100 a month for electricity, maybe 7 dollars a month for internet, whatever it might be, including things like I'm going to put in there a hundred dollars to go out, to like, to go out, right? Like to go to dinner with friends or whatever. I'm, I'm going to budget for that. And a lot of people find that that's really restrictive because month to month, some of those, change, those expenses may change. And it feels like, okay, now I, I have this marked as being, you know, $50 for this thing, but I didn't use this, so can't, you know, it that budgets are kind of more strict and a spending plan the way that people kind of think about it that way is they have specific things that they know that they have to spend money on rent utilities if you have a mortgage childcare like all those fixed groceries all those fixed kind of you have this stuff every month and then everything beyond that is kind of Extra, and you could spend that however you want. So maybe that means one month you know you're spending $25 because you only went out to dinner one time with friends, but then the next month you're spending 75 because you went out three times in a month. Um, so that it's a, it's a little bit more people view it as a little bit more flexible that way, but in essence, either way, whether you use technic, a technical budget or a spending plan. It's a roadmap for how you're going to um, spend your money and make sure that you are paying your expenses and things like savings, etc. Andrew, anything you want to add there?
0: I think really focusing on the fact that like some people view budgets as diets. So calling it a spending plan might help you because you are in either case, you're giving all your dollars a job. And we'll talk about how to define what those jobs are through the different budgeting systems that we go through later. But essentially, budgeting and spending plan is just whatever you want to call your financial plan in whatever way it works for you. Budgeting is also used as a term to refer to the active budgeting, it's more active, um, whereas a spending plan might be more of your traditional Here's a budget with the specified amounts we're going to work on with for each one of the categories we've identified, right? So like you said at the beginning, it's all semantic.
2: Yeah, it's just a different way of viewing things. And I know that some people, when I've talked to like friends about creating a budget, they're like, I don't want to sit down and list out every single thing I spend money on. And I feel like, okay, so maybe you don't want to do that line item type budgeting, but you do want to still have some sort of spending plan where it's like your big bucket can be, you know, all of your utilities. You don't necessarily, if you don't want to list out water, gas, internet, you know, like there's there, but either way, you're still accounting for all of your money and where it's going.
1: That makes sense. That's a good breakdown. You know, it's similar terminology, but there's, you know, subtle differences in the way you think about, you know, budgeting versus spending plan. Um, So thanks for that breakdown. But let's start at the beginning. Um, Let's say you want to sit down and come up with your budget or spending plan. Uh, What do you need to start with? What information should you have available?
2: So the short answer is the more information you have about your expenses and what you owe and what you want to spend money on, the better. So what I mean by that is um, collecting, like when you first sit down and do a budget, it's a lot of collecting of, of bank statements and loan statements and things like that so you know how much you owe. Um, so the first thing I always tell everybody to start with is your income. Make sure you actually know what that number is per month. Um, you'd be surprised how many people don't necessarily know that. And part of that is because people forget to also factor in money that from outside jobs, right? Like maybe you have a main job, but then you're, you also dog sit or dog walk every week. So that's some extra cash. You know, You have to think of all the ways that you're making money in a month, particularly if you work more than one job um you maybe work at two three different restaurants picking up shifts um you want to make sure that you're combining everything to give you that big picture so first step is to come to get all the paperwork to know how much you actually make per month then likewise you want to collect all of your bills to know how much you're spending per month bills can range depending on somebody's individual situation, right? A rent or a mortgage. Maybe you have a car payment. Maybe you don't have a car payment, but you have to pay um, to ride the metro every month to get to work or the bus. So kind of collecting all of those expenses that you have. This also includes debts that you owe. So what I mean by that are loans, like a student loan payment, or a credit card payment or a car payment that you have. Make sure you know um, what those type of monthly payments you have to make. And you also wanna look back at your bank account and kind of get an idea about where you spend your money. Um, So you're looking at your overall expenses and how much you tend to spend on necessities such as food, or. Um, I keep mentioning going out just because I feel like now the world is starting to open up a little bit more and I'm excited about that. So, you know, um, you know, how much you spend on, uh, maybe your child's birthday or clothes for yourself, or so you just want to get an idea of those expenses. So the more information that you have, when you sit down in front of you, the easier actually going through to create your budget will be. So when we're talking about budgeting, there are some key phrases that come up over and over again that um, I just kind of want to touch on. So the first is fixed expenses. Every budget has fixed expenses. And that those are expenses that do not change month to month. So you know all the time that you will have this expense. So examples include rent or mortgage, a student loan payment, a car payment, things that do not change that you have to pay month to month, then you have flexible expenses. And these are the types of expenses that you have every month, but you can't budget for a specific number. They fluctuate. Groceries is an example, right? You may not spend the same amount on groceries every month, gas for your car, etc. So fixed and flexible expenses. And then you also have occasional expenses that you may wanna budget for. These are things that you know you're gonna have to pay, but you may only have to pay them like once or twice a year at most, maybe three times, but it's not something that you have to to budget in every month, but you do have to keep that in mind. So some examples for that would be medical bills, right? Hopefully you don't have to pay a medical bill necessarily every month, but you wanna plan for, visits that you know that you have. Um, likewise, if you have a pet, veter- veterinarian bills. Um, all of us are dog owners, so I see them all looking at me as that, yes, pet bills. <laughs> um, even things like saving for a child's birthday party or gift or you know, a Christmas or Hanukkah gift for your parents, whatever it might be that you know this is a one-time expense, but I know I have it for the year. That's like occasional expenses. So when you sit down to do your budget, it's really talking about looking at your fixed expenses, your flexible expenses, and occasional expenses. So that way you, you're covering everything that you need.
1: Yeah, it's good, to, it's good to know the different like items and what all information you need going into budget, but you're right about the pet thing. Uh, we've actually got the annual exam coming up next month. So I'm excited to pay for those heartworm and rabies shots again this year. Um, but we talk about income, and, and that piece can be tricky for, for people. You know, you mentioned how, like, there's different areas and different things that can qualify as income. Uh, Andrew, what if your income fluctuates? How should people consider that?
0: So there's been a lot of research on what's called income volatility over the years, uh, which is a term used to describe those income dips and spikes over a relatively short period of time. Usually in the research, it's defined as a 25% or more change in income annually, but a lot of Uh, contract workers or hourly employees could describe income volatility by pay period or by the project that they work on, right? Um, And for low-income earners, even a 10% change in their income could be dramatic, either drop or spike. Um, So if you're a person that experiences a lot of income volatility, it's safest to think more long-term then month to month about both your income and your expenses, you might consider looking at planning quarterly and tracking at least by pay period. Um, and and then building up an emergency fund can be really helpful for navigating those times where you might have a drop in your income.
1: So, so once you gather all that info, then what? Uh, I feel like this is where a lot of people get stuck. How do you actually go about the process of budgeting? How do you budget? Um, how should you be putting away this money into different categories?
2: So Andrew and I are gonna kind of talk through some different budgeting strategies that are out there. But the main thing I want to stress is that there are many, many different ways that you can budget. Andrew and I are just gonna to touch on some of the most populars but it's very important to realize that not one strategy or plan fits all. You're going to have to tweak and find one that works for you specifically. Um, It's never good to think that, you know, oh, well, this plan says I have to do it this way, but there's no way that your finances fit with that plan. Then, that plan's not for you and that's fine. Um, We'll give you some examples of that as we go along, but um, just know there are many plans out there and budgets that you can follow, but that you can feel free to kind of tweak them to meet your own individual needs. So 50, 30, 20 is where I'll start. This is a pretty popular um, budget strategy because Senator Elizabeth Warren had wrote about it in her book not, not a, not a most recent book. It was a few books ago, (laughs) but so it's been around for a while. Um, and it kind of, uh, made this budget strategy much more well-known than it was before. So the first thing that you have to do when you're dealing with a 50, 30, 20 is you sit down and you come up with your net income. Um, so that's where you start from there. You're going to look at all your expenses just like we talked about and the 50 refers to doing that 50 percent of your budget should be spent on needs on um expenses that are essential so that a lot of times that's going to be your fixed expenses like we talked about before right rent budget uh rent, mortgage car payments student loan payments it's also going to be things like um your food, right? If you have to, to buy a bus pass for work, those are all kind of those needs. Then it says 30% should go towards your wants. So this is talking about things like we talk, going out to dinner. Um, I don't need new clothes, but I want would like to buy a new outfit this month, right? Um, I would really like to buy this new video game. Those types of things are wants. And then lastly, it says that 20% should go to your savings. And that includes savings for kind of savings in a bucket. So the 20% gives you the overall number that you should be putting into your savings. And then kind of what you do with that savings is up to you. So what I mean by that is some people may be like, all right, I have $200 put into savings this month, I may want to put $100 into emergency savings and then $100 into my 401k for retirement, extra, et cetera. So 50, 30, 20, 58% on needs, 30% on wants, 20% on savings. And I just want to stress what I was talking about before that not one budget fits all depending on your income, depending where you live, depending on your life situation, you may not be able to put 20% into your savings and that's okay. You may not have the resources to spend as much as 30% on your wants. That's okay. So you may want to adjust it and say, okay, with my income, I need to spend 70% on my needs and 20% 20% on my wants, and 10% going into savings. Um, so I view it, this as a strategy just to kind of think about those different buckets. And then if 50, 30, 20 doesn't exactly work for you, you could adjust those percentages accordingly. Um, I, Jake and I actually did a presentation for the Illinois State Police and their, uh, their cadets um, class for financial fitness for them. And what a perfect example of 50, 30, 20 that I gave where it can fluctuate is some of these cadets are gonna be stationed in Chicago. Some are gonna be stationed in Carbondale, Illinois. The expenses there are vastly different but their pay is the same. So when you apply the 50, 30, 20 to the person living in Chicago, They may have to spend 75% on needs, particularly to cover something like housing and food. Whereas the person in Carbondale can maybe follow exactly 50, 30, 20, because some of his expenses are not going to be as high. So um, that is the overview of 50, 30, 20. I'm sure Elizabeth, I'm sure Senator Warren would love to talk to us more. Maybe one day we could get her on the pod um but that is that's the overview of 50 30 20. I know Andrea and I sometimes don't always see eye to eye about this budgeting strategy so um I personally for me I like it um but I know Andrea like I said Andrea and I don't always agree on it so I'll let her kind of chime in too.
0: The one thing with 50 20 30 is where do you fit debt? And according to Elizabeth, you fit it in the 20% goes to savings or debt. However, how you define your needs and wants could also determine where it fits in that 50, 20, 30. So there's a lot of room for interpretation depending on your income level, where you are in your life, you know, life transitions, that can all change what works best for you. So that's really important to remember. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about the envelope budgeting system. That's This particular budgeting system has been around for a very long time. And some people associate it with Dave Ramsey, who's a big proponent of the system, but he did not invent it. Basically what you do with this particular budgeting system is you decide what your budget categories are maybe housing, utilities, insurance, groceries, dining out, gas or parking or bus fare and fun money. And then you put a set amount of cash, remember it's cash in separate envelopes with the names of your categories on those envelopes. The trick is that you cannot borrow from one envelope to pay for the expenses in another envelope if you run out of money. So let's say you run out of grocery money, you're out of grocery money for the month. There's no more, no more grocery cash in the envelope. So it has its pros and its cons, especially if you're someone who like is resistant to impulse spending with cash, right? If you just put, like if you only wanna use an envelope budget for your fun money, that might, that might help you resist temptation of spending cash, right? um but for those of you that might prefer to keep your money in an fdic or ncua insured bank account like what we talked about when we took covered banking services and one of our other podcasts you could use an electronic version of this system um, there are a lot of apps out there that you can use uh, one example and there are many one example is good budget was which was built completely on the concept of the envelope budgeting system. So you take your set amount of money that you are going to put into a category and then you kind of manually subtract from that set amount throughout the month whenever you make a a spending choice in that particular category. So that's just a basic overview of the envelope budgeting system.
2: All right, so now we're gonna move into zero based budgeting. And this budgeting is considered to be, it's very detailed and it was created in the 1960s by a man named Peter Fire. I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce his last name to be honest, but he's the one who um, invented it. And it's based on the belief that your income minus your expenses is zero. So every expense basically needs to be justified. So in other words, if you make $1,000 a month, then all of your expenses for the month should add up to exactly $1,000. So you're keeping track of every single dollar. Um, I'll be honest that for me with the zero-based budgeting, um, I really had first learned about it in terms of business as opposed to personal finance. Like it's very popular, um, with businesses, with governments, um, to kind of look at all of your expenses to see, like, do I really need that, you know, for w- when you're thinking it from a term of like a small business type situation, like, where can I cut on this? For personal, it does also work. Um, it was just something that I, when I first got into the realm of financial education, I didn't realize that people did use this as part of their personal budgeting to me it had always been like more associated with even some um government entities trying to do zero-based budgeting anybody want to know yeah, that
1: that's that's interesting uh nikki so i i guess a follow-up question on that is you know we talk about how important savings are um but we don't typically think of savings as a quote-unquote expense but in this budgeting example a per someone who's putting money away into savings would be considered an expense right
2: Correct, and that is a different way to kind of look and think about things, which is why um, I think people don't always realize that savings is considered an expense and it should be something that you're putting towards. Um, I think a lot of people when they're in a budget situation um, and you're short on something, it's really easy that that's the first place to cut. And especially with this budget strategy, it's basically like, no, that's part of your expenses. And that means that you should equal zero at the end of the month because you're including that in
1: type of deal. Right, when you for have any- to justify everything, it's it's easier to justify saving for yourself later than it is to justify whatever new purchase, you know, comes to mind for that month.
0: For anyone that's heard of the pay yourself first concept, that's how it would kind of fit you, you make savings for your own goals, the first priority for your for your budget. And so that would easily fit into the zero
1: base budget. Yeah, future you will be very happy with present you if you if you go by that mantra.
0: So I'm going to talk a little bit about the 60% solution. So this was a budgeting system created by Richard Jenkins, who used to be MSN Money's editor-in-chief. The article that I found on it was from 2011, so it's a decade old, but he may have discussed it even earlier than that. He suggested that you should spend 60% of your gross income, that's before any deductions or taxes are taken out, Um, on what he calls committed expenses, so he defined those as federal, state, and social security taxes, insurance, your regular bills, and living expenses like food, clothing, transportation, and housing. Then he said you should use 10% towards retirement, 10% towards long-term savings, 10% towards short-term savings for regular expenses, which he defined as vacation, repair bills, new appliances, things like that, and then 10% towards entertainment. He also suggested that he didn't need to track his expenses with this method because his checking account balance covered what he could spend since he was dedicating roughly 30% of his income towards savings goals for big expenses that he had historically um, run into trouble with personally I think it's kind of ironic since the thing is he tracked his spending for 20 years to come up with this system so not tracking your expenses especially if you're a young person you don't know what where you're going to run into issues will not help you identify where your missteps are and um, where your financial commitments are really allocated so He based this plan on his awareness of his own behavior. And if you haven't been tracking your expenses and you don't know what your behavior is, you're not going to be able to easily kind of say this particular plan is going to work for me. So my opinion on this method is that it's a really good attempt at simplifying budgeting, right? You're talking about 60% of expenses and 40% towards kind of savings and fund money which is the thing is budgeting is complex. That's why we're talking about so many different methods of budgeting. It involves behavior and planning, it involves self-awareness and adaptability and kind of a knowledge of the financial systems that we have to work with and the markets that we make decisions in. So it's important to remember that the majority of living expenses are not fixed right? We've already talked about fixed and flexible expenses and the, the costs kind of fluctuate regularly. And, and even the dollar amount for taxes that people pay kind of changes, especially with high income volatility. So it may be beneficial for some people to use this particular budgeting method, but um, it's important to really recognize what your own Skills are with money, your strengths are with money, and where your spending kind of challenges are when deciding a budgeting system that works for you. I think we can share the the article that I found on 60% Solution in the show notes to give people a better insight into how it's laid out because it might work for people. I think it's very important to be aware of your spending choices though.
2: So to be honest, this is a new one that um, Andrea had brought up to me. I hadn't um, had any really exposure to this one. So it was interesting to to learn about, about the 60% solution. All right, so I am going to talk about something that's called the mental accounting budget or the no budget budget. Um, this isn't really so much as much of a where to put your money type that we've talked about before, like 50, 30, 20, right? 50% into the here, 30% into this. This is more about um, psychology of money and your philosophy of money. It's a behavioral economics concept that was introduced in 1999 by a uh, Nobel prize winner, Richard Thaler. And basically it means all money is the same and should be valued the same. But a lot of people don't do that. For example, people may say, all right, I I have this special money jar that I'm gonna put this money aside in this money jar and it's special. I'm putting, I'm saving it to buy a new TV well, why is that money being treated differently than the savings that maybe is going into your bank account that is earning interest? So it's kind of, it, it deals a lot with the behavioral, behavioral aspects of how people save and, and how they spend their money. And it's also, when people assign different values to their money, they're also values meaning not like $5 or $10 because obviously that's set, but like this type of money is more important to me, putting it aside um, in this money jar makes it special. Then you're not necessarily looking at your budget as a whole and growing where you need to by putting something in aside in this jar, it's not earning interest, it's not, um, safe at a bank so it's it was much more of a f- to make sure you're kind of looking inward at what your beliefs are about money and how you save money and how you spend money to make choices
0: another way that I've heard of it be being described as you discount money that you didn't expect so like if you didn't expect a tax return and you get a big one that's free money and you can spend it however you want instead of incorporating it into your plan or helping it using it to help you accomplish a goal faster that you had already decided on
1: yeah that makes a lot of sense it's uh it's you know you you know you mentioned it's the behavioral economics aspect of this it's it's a it's more it's less about like, it's less about getting the Excel sheet out and like, you know, you know, finding an item for every expense you have and more about thinking what you're doing with your money about what you're doing with your money and making the right choices of, of how you're managing your money.
0: I was just going to say with the mental accounting piece, you may have heard people describe the mental accounting kind of budget approach as you have different buckets of money for different purposes. So you might have uh. Your savings account is just for emergencies. Your checking account is for daily purposes. like, And then you have a separate checking account for things like um, your quarterly taxes, if you have to pay quarterly taxes, for instance.
2: And I also think, too, people also, the same way like you were talking about tax returns or refunds, same thing with gifts, right? Like maybe you get a gift of money and people view that as this is special money. I get to do whatever I want with this particular money. And this type of philosophy is saying, no, that money doesn't have any extra special value or it's not special. It's still your same money and it should still be part of whatever your plan is. So I know that I have fallen guilty to doing this as well. You know, you get a great example recently would be those stimulus payments that we got, That's extra money that, that, you know, when we started out the year, we didn't plan on having, and it's very tempting to be like, oh, let's go buy whatever that's not something we needed as opposed to paying down debt or, you know, fixing the car or whatever it might be. So I think that this is very easy and people do this even without realizing it until it's brought to their attention
1: yeah absolutely i think yeah you can even do that with small amounts of money and i know i fall victim to that too you know when you get a birthday card that has a check from grandma in it or you know whatever it is and it's money you're not expecting um but you might be i think i think my tendency is when i get money that i'm not expecting is to be more frivolous with it um than responsible with it so it's this is a good different way to think about budgeting you know and and to really consider you know, any money that comes in, any income, whether it's from your job or from another source, um, should be treated the same.
0: I think I've also fallen victim to this and to help motivate myself sometimes, I will alternate when I get unexpected money, whether or not I use it frivolously or use it towards a predefined goal.
1: That's a great idea. I think I must start trying yeah. to do that.
0: It definitely helps because sometimes you're like, I just want to do something spontaneous, right? I can't always be responsible.
1: See if you alternate, if you alternate, then you do something responsible. And then the next time you can treat yourself. See? And then you know that's that's a good cycle. I like that. Yeah. All right, Andrea, what do you what do you got next for us?
0: So I have what some people like to call the traditional budgeting system. So it's basically you take your net income, that amount you get after taxes and other kinds of deductions are taken out of your paycheck, and you subtract your monthly, quarterly, and annual expenses from it. So you you typically look at a whole year at a time. It could be a calendar year. If you like to make your own fiscal year, if you're an accounting nerd, you can do that. Maybe your account, your uh, fiscal year is from October to September, whatever you want. Um, So some people might have done this by like a combination of planning and balancing their checkbook with kind of a check register and physically recording just everything by line item. Um, and what goes in and out of their account. You might monitor it on, on your online banking if you only have one bank account to pay attention to. The key here is to track what your actual income is and your actual expenses are, and to adjust your estimates in the next budget period, usually a calendar year, based on what has actually happened, which you really should be doing with any one of the budgets that you use. Um, is base your decisions on your actual behavior, but this is very strict, like you planned this dollar amount, this is what it needs to be, and then you kind of assess whether or not that worked out in the following year. I've also some seen some people refer to uh, zero-based budgeting as traditional budgeting, um, so there might be some discrepancies in semantics, which we kind of mentioned earlier about how budgeting systems are described if you go looking online for more information about these. I've also seen some people call the zero-based budget the traditional budgeting system. So there may be some discrepancies and semantics of how budgeting systems are described if you go looking online for some of the different budgeting systems that we've talked about today.
1: That's good to know. Thanks, Andrea. and. So we focused a lot on monthly budgets so far. And Andrea, you just touched on that. There's obviously uh, different length of budgets, you know, with the traditional, you can look at it on annual, semiannual, quarterly, monthly basis, but, you know, you can also budget for other scenarios in your life, such as big purchases or vacation. Andrea, can you talk a little bit about how to budget for those type of goals?
0: Yes. Yes. So first you got to start with the goal. You need to visualize it you need to research the costs of whatever you visualize. You need to look at your your flexible spending and kind of see where there might be extra income or you can cut some expenses and maybe you look at resources that you may have. And then you decide based on that, based on what fits with your committed responsibilities and what other goals you have going on, what works best for, your specific timeline or budget or whatever. Because most of us have more than one goal and the timeframes may vary it. Prioritizing your goals when you create your budget is super important. You may need to readjust your goals as timeframes change. So kind of understanding how people think about timeframes is really important. A lot of financial planners um, look at at time horizons when they're helping you create a financial plan so things that are immediate needs or immediate goals would be less than a year they need to be completed near future might be one to five years intermediate goals might be five to ten years and then long-term goals might be probably ten or more years and and because life is unpredictable as we already know you might have to flip around your priorities or timelines based on what's going on in your life. For instance, like if you are deciding in five years, I'm gonna put a new um, roof on my garage and then a hole ends up being in your garage roof. Maybe that timeline gets pushed up and you have to negotiate one of your other goals.
1: You can obviously put general timelines on some of your goals and things you want to save for or budget for, but you know you got to be you got to be flexible and willing to adapt. You know, as as we said earlier. Um, so we've covered a lot so far and different types of budgets, but uh, I'll just open it up to the both of you. Uh, and Nikki will start with you. But in your opinion, what is the most important thing to do when budgeting?
2: So for me, the most important thing to do when you're budgeting is to track your spending um and plan out your expenses you know those are the two most important things that you could do and kind of do them together to make sure you're staying on a budget
1: great and andrea
0: Uh, i think knowing that there are multiple ways to track your expenses is also really important we really focused on the planning aspect of budgeting throughout Talking about this the system. So different ways you can track your spending include physical, write it down in a notebook and tally it up. You could do it electronically, which could be either physically writing everything down in like a notes app and tallying it up, or automating it through financial aggregators if you have multiple accounts or looking at online banking. There's a lot of budgeting tools now in online banking, thanks to financial institutions providing those resources for us. Some people use something called a a shoebox tracking method. They just collect all their receipts, put them in a a shoebox and the end of the week, they get them all out and tallying them up and put them in different categories based on just their receipts. That kind of requires you to track and hold on to your receipts, which is why people use a shoebox sometimes. Again if something doesn't work for you, change it. I know, like I've tried to manually track my expenses in the past, doesn't work. I got to automate it. So if if tracking it manually doesn't work for you, that's okay. There are other tools to help you. And then you can make a plan based on your behavior.
1: So it sounds like tracking and planning are very important parts of budgeting. And I think it's important to be flexible too, you know, as we talked about. But I know this is a lot of information uh, for the listeners, but we hope that it got you thinking about the importance of establishing a budget. I'm sure this is not the last time we'll be discussing the importance of budgets on this show.
0: There are many resources out there to help you for um, planning a budget, including templates. There's some that utilize the different strategies that we talked about uh, already today. And now that you have the names of these different types of budgeting strategies and what they entail, you can research more in depth and experiment with what works for you. You might challenge yourself to make a budget in the next month or two, or if, if maybe creating a spending plan without more information about your behaviors sounds kind of daunting to you, maybe you just start tracking your expenses first and then create a plan after a month or so based on your personalized data collection.
2: Thank you guys so much for listening today. Um, Join us next time on a topic that is timely, given that summer is upon us, travel planning, including ways to save money while you're traveling. So as always, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play and pass along to your friends. Thanks guys.